2: Put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
3: Item 6, 2023
4: to 2024 snow plan. Items open. Hey, this is our uh, snow plan item that is in front of us. This is sort of a continuation of what we had done Uh, Two weeks ago, Um, two weeks ago we had the public hearing and I'm going to take some of the responsibility uh, um, for the people that were not in attendance uh, two weeks ago normally what the Council does is we invite the Department of Public Works because uh, they are the one who give us the uh, snow plan. And so the invite only went out to the Department of Public Works. So uh, Commissioner Martin and his crew were here. I know that some other questions ended up uh, being raised about other departments and other aspects of the snow plan. Um, and because of uh, not having invited them, we uh, tabled the item two weeks ago so that we would have it back in front of us today. Um, So this is sort of a part two of what we started two weeks ago. Um, I'm hoping that this would be more of a work session, because uh, I think that there were some excellent questions that came out two weeks ago, and I think that was the most beneficial part of the meeting were the questions that people raised. Uh, Jim Montour said that uh, staff checked with uh, my colleagues and others to try to put together questions. So that we would have them in front of us, I believe that we all have packets uh, with those questions in front of us, and I'm just thinking that, you know, we can gripe today, or we can actually try to solve the problems uh, that are in front of us, and I know that when I went to the block clubs, my block club uh, uh, members asked me, they didn't care about who was fighting with who, but they wanted to know What about the uh, uh, warming shelter in the North District? What about the plowing? What about uh, pulling cars out of the street that are stopping the snowplows from getting down the street, stopping the fire engines um, from getting to fires or emergency calls and things like that? So I think hopefully to do a service to our constituents um, that that's what we can concentrate on today. Um, and there are a bunch of questions that are here that uh, I would hope that we would be able to get answered um, from the administration. And Commissioner Martin, I'm going to start with you and the administration um, to begin this, and then we'll go to my colleagues. Uh,
5: thank you, Council, for the invitation again uh, to me. I've got a number of colleagues, as you just noted, from uh, the administration here to answer your questions. I necessarily won't go into a long um, intro statement. We can save that. You've seen the plan. We've talked about it last uh, two weeks ago. Um, it's a tiered response. It gives a glimpse into some other departments. Those other departments are here to uh, expound on any questions you might have as well. And I'll field any questions you have about DPW. Uh, do you want introductions first?
4: Uh, oh yeah, if you could let okay. us know everyone
5: who's and, here. And my apologies, uh, Nathan Martin, Commissioner of Public Works.
6: Thomas Lilby, recent hire for the Emergency uh, Services Manager position.
7: Commissioner Ronaldo, Buffalo Fire Department.
8: Joel Grimalia, Commissioner, Buffalo Police. Uh, Delano Dow,
9: Commissioner of Administration and Finance.
8: James J. Cross, Fleet Manager.
9: Oswaldo Mestri, Director of Citizen Services.
4: Uh, Councilmember Scanlon.
3: Thank you, Mr. Chair. Yeah, I I think you're right. I hope today's conversation can be very productive. Um, I want to thank the members of the administration who are here today. Um, You know, last year we lost nearly 50 people in the community's nervous, the community's scared. They want to make sure that we're prepared for if and when Mother Nature rears her ugly head again. So I want to thank you for being here today, and hopefully we can have a very valuable conversation. Um, I have a number of questions I want to ask. I'm going to be perfectly honest. Some of them, the answers are in the report, but I think it's beneficial to the public to hear members of different departments say it publicly and they can come back and see it again and pull it back up later if they have questions so i apologize i know some of them may be in here but um first question i have comes to like kind of communication strategy and if you could kind of talk about any changes you have made to your communication strategy whether it's administration to council administration to the public administration with other levels of government
5: yeah, I, I think the biggest thing, as noted in the plan, um, we have detailed a number of different elements that we're going to use. I think last year's plan, we might have highlighted one or two. But Certainly, the uh, we as a city, I think all of us, and that includes council, um, need to be more aggressive and upfront on how we communicate. So that is part of our plan, to be out in front of it. As you saw last week with a potential storm that was going to be hitting today and, and tomorrow, this week. A, potentially another Thanksgiving, we just put a notice out. There might be something coming, be prepared. So that kind of uh, being ahead of the game this year is really what we're going to look at. Stronger messaging as we get closer and we have defined forecasts, but using all the tools in the, in the toolbox that we have. So simple communication with social media, uh, traditional media, who's here today covering uh, this. Um, we've got the opportunity in those severe cases to use the IPAWS system. That's the alert system uh, run through uh the, the federal government that can pe- pe- push a message through your phone. So a number of those different avenues that we're going to go down that path to communicate. Um, it's not always just a one, two, three, four, five step by step. We'll do all of them. We'll do some of them as needed, depending on what the severity of the storm is. So and, and Buff Alert, I just would would put a, a plug in for that. Buff Alert is our system. Um, you can go online and, and uh, register for that as well. Yeah,
3: My next question was going to be about Buff Alert. Have you seen an increase in people taking part in that?
5: We, we have seen, we've tried to push that more. I don't know the exact numbers. I can get that to council. I'll follow up with our communications team, the exact uh, enrollment. So um, we would like to see more of that. That's a, an easy push out in terms of messaging, but it, it's not the only message that we have. The, the nice part about that system, it can translate into multiple languages. I, I, I want to be careful quoted, but, but over 50 or 60 languages that can be translated through Buffalo. So that's a very helpful system. All
3: right. uh, again, along the line of communication, last year we saw some back and forth between different levels of government what conversations have taken play when it comes to mutual aid with the county the state and what barriers if any existed have been broken down and what improvements do you think have been made to that mutual aid
5: yeah I'll speak to that it, it, actually during last winter's events I uh first thing was in communication with Kishner Geary in the county throughout the storm I know other members of the administration were as well uh since the winter throughout the summer as as just as late as yesterday Commissioner Geary and I continue to meet and talk about mutual aid from a county perspective right so um we have had those conversations with state officials as well um we continue to have dialogue with state officials our local uh, dot region five who I'm in communication with all the time so we have um uh, really pushed forward on making sure we are collaborating on the response to our residents in the city and and I'll speak for the county to their residents of the county with, who live in the city
3: um, our 10th council member back here brought up warming centers earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, in the plan, there's the nine, one for each district or close to it. Um, obviously we have firehouses, things of that nature. Have there been any other discussions about increasing the number of warming centers?
5: uh we continue to have those discussions right so buffalo schools i think that's probably a topic that you know i'm I'm assuming will be right up we continue to have dialogue with the schools i know uh at their meeting last week they uh passed a resolution allowing their superintendent to to work through that process with us so we'll have those discussions i meet with their operations director regularly other shelters we will look at uh as well so uh but we we do have one in each of the council districts as we start the season um you know there is a um I've heard conversations or asked for, hey, we need one in every neighborhood. That that from from a practical standpoint, it's very difficult to manage that. There aren't those facilities available um, across the city. So, you know, we have those nine. They are located in six. It's about communicating that they're open, getting to them. And and they're really used when we have an issue with the grid. So National Grid, our partners in National Grid, I know Patrick is here. I've done a lot to fortify their their system um, through improvements to the substations, which is important. So, you know, those improvements, our preparedness, um, with the availability of stations, uh, community services and services are are, are have plans for, from an operational standpoint of those that that they can speak to, but um, we are prepared to to move forward with those.
3: Can you so again, I, I, this is about making the public feel as comfortable yeah. as possible moving forward. Could you provide us some some concrete information about conversations you had that if some massive storm is coming, what's the next step? We have the nine what would be the next step where would we go with other spots I know there's a cost associated with additional locations but if I mean last year we would have needed more than nine yeah we did need more than nine so moving forward if we are going to see a storm coming like this all right we have these nine what's the next step can you put something on paper provide us through conversations with the schools or within different departments within the city
5: I can. I can do that for you Council
3: okay um Within the plan, it talks about the warming centers, and I believe it says uh, staff members within uh, community services Mm -hmm. would staff them. How is that determined? Who would those staff members be? Uh, What I don't want to see is there be, obviously, if we're in a pinch, it might be all hands on deck. I get that. But up front, how is that being determined? Obviously, there's unions involved. How's that? How's that going to roll out? Who would, yeah. who would staff those?
5: Yeah. So community services has done that. I notice it's not here. I know uh, Oz, you've had some conversations with those. I don't know if you want to maybe talk a, a little bit about that to, to respond to council members question.
9: Um, Oswaldo Mestri director of citizen services for the city of Buffalo. Um, our first inclination is to use existing staff within the department of community services and use um, city staff. Um, we've been putting a plan together when, um, the still plan dictates and when we do well, we have to um operationalize or escalate to the emergency warming shelters that we will um try to use existing staff um and volunteers very mindful about who we want to have at the existing centers um people say oh you can use volunteers but those volunteers have to be vetted right so we want to make sure that we utilize the um, folks that we know that's within our system that have been vetted that have Uh, clearances and all of those too. So we do have a plan. Thank you.
3: So I guess similar to the warming center's plan moving forward, can you get us something that would lay out what I don't want to see happen is we have a storm come. You're looking to deploy members of a department and whether or not we think it's realistic, it it could happen. You have a union spat over, no, this person should be, you know, I don't want to see that happen. I'd love to see that all ironed out on the front end. So could you get us something before our next committee meeting that says this is the first line of people that will go in, second line, third line?
9: Um, We can provide you um, with um, a framework of what that looks like, yes. great. And that's ongoing. And so let me just add the emergency warming shelters. Um, Someone gave a scenario that if everybody needed the warming shelters, that is a that is the worst case scenario. The emergency warming shelters are there. Your first line of protection is for you to have that plan ahead of time, to have that plan um, for your neighborhood, to have your plan to be there. We do not want the driving ban, people to be driving and going all of the places to. Um, we have emergency personnel. The emergency warming shelters is not, it snows, we want you to go there. No, it snows or it happens, we want you to make sure, that's why council members, you guys have been doing um, workshops, we've been working with you to pe- make sure that you're prepared in place. So, again, emergency warming shelters, last-ditch effort. Um, Matter of fact, we're bringing you, I mean, there's situations where something happens to your house, that's where we're taking you to. Thank you. Yeah.
3: No, I agree. I hope we never have to use them. But just I want to be prepared in case we we do have to. Um, It talks about providing supplies to the warming centers and that they'll be supplied with food, water, cots, et cetera. but I don't think it elaborates on the agencies we're partnering with, when, how far in advance those supplies will be brought to locations, and quite frankly, what what sort of forecast would trigger that taking place.
5: you want to talk to the supply chain first, and then I'll follow up on that trigger event or?
8: Uh, Delano Dowell, Commission of Administration and Finance. Uh, we have work with uh, community service and setting aside uh, funding. For those particular uh, supplies, we know initially wasn't included in the city budget, but we do have funds now set aside uh, to purchase those supplies. Which is like cots, water, food, and blankets for the uh, warming centers. So, so we would we
3: then partner with an agency, purchase them from them? No. The or city, are we going out and purchasing them in advance?
8: The city of Buffalo deploy. will purchase the supplies. Okay. What about like food, water? The city of Buffalo, uh, with our discussions, uh, is to purchase cots uh water food, and blankets uh for the uh warmer centers
5: so uh, councilman if i interject there too our coordination with county and state up through the d-land system is actually where you request those supplies those are provided on a pre-storm basis you when we're when we're at a an event that um that is at that level the system is open there's a triggering event and then everybody can put in their uh, and any municipality can put in the request and we certainly do that we've got multiple people trained in that so the request for cots additional cots if needed MREs water all submitted through there and they are met on a kind of storm as needed basis as you approach the storm so uh, a multiple supply in your accounting as we've been told okay,
3: so and I know that that we've established the emergency services manager position Mr. Luby's with us here today And as he gets his feet wet and he gets comfortable, he'll be handling a lot of this, I'm sure. Um, My question with regard to that position, it's housed in the Buffalo Fire Department budget. If and when Mr. Luby's up to speed and an incident hits, who's in command? What's the structure? Because he's housed in the fire department budget is he operate is he the head of operations come a situation like that how would what's the chain of command there
5: i'll turn that over to the commissioner all
7: right thank you councilman Commissioner buffalo fire i feel like to read a short opening statement that would uh as you address a lot of these questions and i'll make sure i address your specific question uh you know detailing that councilman so good afternoon and thank you for the opportunity to address this honorable body uh i'm here today to, i'm here today to discuss the buffalo fire department's role as it relates to the city of buffalo's 2023 snow plan in order to accomplish this i'd like to review the actions undertaken by myself and my command team over the last 10 months i'm going to begin by reviewing our uh, apparatus and equipment over the last 10 months one new aerial ladder ladder 15 located in the vicinity of clinton and bailey which cost in excess of 1.8 million dollars was taken delivery of in february of this year and is currently in service Another new aerial platform, Ladder 5, located in the vicinity of Seneca and Swan, again costing in excess of $1.8 million, was delivered on November 17th and will be in service shortly. A new engine slash pumper, Engine 2, located on Elwood in Virginia, cost in excess of $765,000, was delivered and placed in service approximately one month ago. In total, over $5 million worth of frontline apparatus uh, were added to the department since uh, December of 2023, or 2022. In addition, two new command response vehicles, Chief Riggs, uh, cost more than $200,000 currently in hand and will be placed into service within the next two weeks. Two new 4x4 pickups on order, purchased through opioid grant funds, and will be used by our behavioral health team and EMS officer. Estimated time of arrival is spring of 2024. A mini-tracked ambulance uh, costs approximately $110,000 on order. ETA for that is also spring of 2024. Four-tracked UTVs. uh, One was just delivered delivered, uh, a few days ago on November 16th. A second one was delivered uh, actually yesterday, and the other two will arrive uh, before the end of the month. Four full-size trailers. Costing excess of $60,000 will be used to transport the UTVs and snowmobiles as required. The delivery time for those is uh, the first two weeks of December, within the first two weeks of December. Uh, As you may know or should know, uh, five snowmobiles were donated just recently by Delaware North and delivered to us uh, just a few days ago. We're also going to be in receipt of a refurbished aerial ladder platform purchased from the East Amherst Fire Department. Uh, for right around $200,000 ETA, and that is December of this year as, as well. Uh, for our capital purchases, uh, which were approved through the via, via the capital budget, we're approved for two engines or pumpers at $765,000 apiece, two aerial ladder platforms, once again, $1.8 million apiece, four command response vehicles, $75,000 apiece. And we are currently working with the budget department to secure an interfund loan so that we may begin the purchasing process of those vehicles. All of these purchases, aside from the UTVs, were planned, coordinated, and budgeted for before or prior to the November storm, as part and parcel of our ongoing fleet management program. The UTV purchases was a result of the December storm, where their value and versatility were recognized as an important new addition to our fleet. All of our frontline apparatus meets or exceeds the National Fire Protection Association guidelines for frontline fire apparatus replacement, as outlined in Chapter 5 of NFPA Standard 1901. Moving on to training. The online safety certification course is currently underway, with over 100 firefighters having successfully completed it. This course is a prerequisite for the field training portion of the snowmobile and UTV operators course. requires specialized protective equipment for the safe operation of the snowmobiles and UTVs is in the purchasing process and will be available for all certified firefighters. So in short, none of our firefighters will touch any of these specialized equipment, snowmobiles or UTVs until they're uh, completely certified and outfitted with the appropriate protective equipment. Uh, I think we touched on warming shelters. uh, I believe, uh, uh, Buffalo Fire Department's role in the in the warming shelters is one of the most important roles. It was to provide uh, two certified EMTs for each uh, city-sponsored warming shelter, and we're committed to providing that. Uh, let's touch a little bit on our emergency services manager. I uh, want to welcome uh, Tom Luby. Uh, I participated in the hiring process for the position of emergency services manager. I can attest to the fact that although the selection took longer than anyone would have expected or preferred, it was, in the end, a methodical and thoughtful approach to filling what is a very sensitive and vital position. Mr. Luby is well qualified, and I believe he is a valuable long-term asset to this department and the city of Buffalo. In closing, let me reply to the recently asked question of, "Are we more prepared now than we were last year at this time? The answer to that question, in my view, is a resounding yes. My three readiness indicators are apparatus and equipment, personnel and training, and coordination and communication using a rating system of red, amber, and green. I consider the apparatus and equipment category rapidly transitioning from amber to green, with over $5 million in frontline apparatus purchased and delivered since February 2023, and another approximately $3 million in the form of Interfund loans on the horizon earmarked for the purchase of additional frontline apparatus. Add to that the recent return, of much of our reserve fleet, which was severely damaged during both the November and December storms. Coupled with the addition of our recently delivered specialty vehicles in the form of snowmobiles and UTVs, the Buffalo Fire Department is well positioned to meet any unforeseen and foreseen emergency. In the personnel and training category, I consider us green across the board. My command team and I have made a concerted effort to make and keep this department fully staffed. This strategy has served us well, not only from a budgetary standpoint, but more importantly, from an emergency preparedness standpoint, we have met every challenge to fulfill our stated mission of preserving the lives and property of the citizens of Buffalo. Our firefighters remain trained and ready not only in their primary mission, but in many of our specialty areas, such as hazmat response, combined space rescue, ice and water rescue, and emergency vehicle operations, much like the specialized snowmobile and UTV operator certification course described earlier. In the area of cooperation and communication, many of our senior leaders, including myself and the command staff, have participated in multiple scenario based exercises attended by multiple jurisdictions and various levels of government. These are in addition to both our own interdepartmental, interdepartmental meetings, discussions, and conferences, as well as discussions with our external stakeholders, such as the Red Cross, National Grid, National Fuel, and other utilities. All of this preparation is in addition to the FEMA-sponsored professional development courses attended by and completed by numerous members of our senior staff over the last 10 months. Aside from my staff, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank this Honorable Body, who has supported the Buffalo Fire Department since the beginning of my tenure in 2018. I'd also like to thank Mayor Brown, the administration, and all my fellow commissioners, with whom i work worked closely with over the course of the last 10 months in preparing for a coordinated response to our next emergency thank you and in answer to your question uh councilman yes the uh uh tom our emergency services manager mr luby is uh actually housed in our building in the uh in the dillon building on the fourth floor with the buffalo fire department he is under under our budget and yes his role is he has many uh many duties and responsibilities that we're in discussion with uh his role is not so much operations, actually, he is going to free up myself and my staff to focus more on operations where he can concentrate his or focus his resource, his uh, expertise on providing us the necessary resources from all different levels of government and profit and nonprofit organizations in the area.
3: Thank you, Commissioner. Um, Yes, we have, we've purchased a number of apparatus in the past couple of years. Um, I would just ask that we continue to do so okay um we uh the majority of the fleet is over 10 years old um i know you've said in the past that an industry standard i believe is 15 years um i know the union does not feel that way and i think the the truth is probably somewhere in the middle and so i would just ask that we continue uh to purchase this apparatus so that not just for these extreme situations but for on day-in, day-out fires and um, situations like that, that the men and women of the fire department can perform their tasks. But yeah, of course. Thank you for the purchase of the equipment the past couple of years. You're very welcome. Thank you, you for your support. You mentioned the, the, I guess I'll call it the specialty equipment, the snowmobiles, UTVs, things like that. Oh. And no one will be using them until they are certified to use them. That's correct. So again, what I don't want to see is those that equipment sitting in a garage somewhere while we battle it out over who's going to use it and how they can use it, when they can use it. So how close are we to executing some training and certification for this equipment? And how close are we to having those agreements in place?
7: Uh, once again, so uh, there's no requirement to have an agreement uh, with the union. We are attempting to negotiate with them uh, some of the parameters of their use and uh the type and the number of protective equipment that's going to be used by our firefighters. So right now, as I uh, alluded to earlier, over 100 with, over hundred of our firefighters have completed the online safety certification course, which is a prerequisite uh, for the field training portion of this exercise. So in approximately uh, two weeks, our special operations uh, command will have available four individuals who receive train-to-trainer uh the train-to-trainer course from the county and we'll be able to begin the training on our firefighters so we're looking at maybe uh mid-december 15 december before we can begin actually the field portion
4: exercise of our training on that point uh uh mr dowell had a comment
8: uh delano delano commissioner of administration and finance uh one thing i do want to add is that as you guys know uh, the city did just hire a new uh, fleet manager, uh, James Shay Cross, who sit uh, right next to me. James brings uh, twelve years of experience in uh, mechanics field, working on automobiles. Uh, some of the key things, responsibilities for James is one is to learn the city fleet. Um, we do have a list, uh, inventory list of all uh, city, uh, city vehicles uh, within the purchasing department. But as we know. Uh, It's a process. We know FIRE has their own list of inventory. We know uh, DPW has their own list, along with police, along with parking, along with real estate. James' primary responsibility will to create a uniform list that we can use. He will have to maintain and be responsible uh, for the maintenance of city vehicles and also will make the decision on what vehicles get purchased. The vehicle purchase will be based off needs and not wants. So no one department will be able to determine where the city's capital dollars and general fund dollars will be spent in regards to vehicles. So that decision will, James will make the decision, we'll discuss it with me, we'll sit down with the uh, uh, mayor, and then also sit down with this group to determine where those capital dollars for vehicles should be spent. We just have to remember, as I think someone stated earlier today, we have so many dollars that we can operate with. And I, I honestly can say every commissioner sitting to the right of me come to me requesting dollars to purchase vehicles that I can't say we have. We're doing our best to fully fund each of these departments with the vehicles need in order for them to provide services to the taxpayers and citizens of the city of Buffalo. But it's a process and we have to allocate and be fiscally responsible with those dollars and how we spend them. But we will continue to purchase vehicles year after year and not wait. At times, to say not wait, but just use it, use the funding the correct way. But James' key responsibility is to get an idea of the video costs based off the data that we have from the various departments, and then he'll make those decisions on where the dollars should be spent.
3: Yeah, no, I we've we've absolutely purchased some equipment the past couple of years: a couple of aerials, a pumper, two more of each coming in in this year's capital budget. Um, but I just want to make sure we continue to do it going forward. My my question more, again, I want to dive into, into this a little more because I don't want to see this equipment just sitting there, unable to be used. So my question, I guess, more specifically, the contract with the fire union states how many firefighters have to be on an apparatus, correct? So why would this not apply to any other specialty equipment? I'm
7: sorry, can you repeat that, please?
3: So if the union contract dictates, I'm sorry, so if the union contract dictates how many firefighters are supposed to be on an apparatus, does it?
7: It does. On a frontline apparatus, correct.
3: So would this not apply to any other equipment? And my uh, concern is I would think the union might say, yes, it does, and I don't want to get into a battle and have this equipment just sit there.
7: Right. That And those are discussions. We're, we're having ongoing discussions with the union, and we are negotiating in good faith on that. Uh, for instance, let's take the UTVs for example. They're uh, six-seaters, uh, which means they can, you know, fit six first, six people or six individuals on them. So we're proposing uh, to man these UTVs with two firefighters on occasion uh, to make room for the other four seats. Obviously, for transporting essential personnel, uh, to transport victims, to vi- transport patients from narrow streets, you know, to waiting ambulances, things of that nature. So we'd be defeating the purpose if at times we were to have four firefighters manning these and manning this you know, particular piece of apparatus. So we're taking a, trying to take a common sense approach We would use two firefighters at times, four firefighters at other times. And at times, we will be, we'll be transporting our own firefighters. You know, uh, yeah. as you know, during the last emergency, some of our firefighters were on duty in the firehouse for up to 96 hours. And some of them needed a break. And we needed some of them had, you know, things going on at home and things of that nature. And this will give us the capability of being able to transport them as well.
3: Okay, so um, kind of follow up to some of the other stuff I asked earlier. Could you do you have con do you have conversations scheduled with the union to kind of ha- hammer this out?
7: Uh, actually, we had a uh, meeting scheduled uh, a week ago. Uh, the union showed up for you know I think for the purposes of just saying they showed up, and uh, I think the conversation lasted about ninety seconds, and they made some very unreasonable demands, and that's where it ended. So right now we're exercising our managerial rights of training our firefighters on uh, new equipment and the safe operation of that new equipment.
3: Right. So no other conversations are scheduled at this point?
7: Uh, actually, we are. Uh, I am in conversations with the executive board and with corporate counsel and uh, the unit's attorneys as well uh, okay. to schedule another appointment in the near future uh, to discuss the, the parameters of use of these vehicles.
3: Okay. Could you kind of provide that information to us, that what's, got, what's on the horizon here, what kind of conversations? Of course. Okay. Thank you. Um well, when I mean, we were talking about equipment, I guess um, when it comes to the Buffalo Police, South, I shouldn't say South, a district, the largest geographic district we have covers South, parts of Fillmore, parts of Lovejoy, um, and also the district that tends to get hit with the most amount of snow. Um, we also have the fewest number of vehicles, I believe, of the five districts. Is there a plan in place? Should a storm be coming that's projected to maybe hit south more or a district more where we would shift vehicles we might need or bodies we have the I believe we have the least m- amount of manpower as well to shift those bodies to a district.
10: As far as the uh, Joe Grimaldi, police commissioner, uh, as far as vehicles, uh, we allocate vehicles uh, on a number of uh, metrics, if you will, but uh, a Districts. Uh, As is the majority, almost exclusively our entire fleet has uh, all wheel drive, all all wheel drive vehicles. Uh, We also have other vehicles that are regularly used that are not assigned to a specific district. Our neighborhood engagement team, schools, when schools are closed, we will grab those vehicles and use those wherever they're needed, whether it's for a detail. Uh, If there's a snow emergency, any other emergency, we will shift vehicles, we have shifted vehicles, we will continue to do that. Um, in the last two years, we have taken delivery uh, and ordered about 73 marked cars and another 13 unmarked on top of that. And we are in the process of ordering through the capital. Once that money gets freed up to us, I'm hoping any day now, another 32 vehicles to include 10 Ford F-150 4x4 trucks. We'll utilize those throughout the, the city as well, all year round for a multitude of reasons. Okay. Yeah.
3: Just anything you can do proactively. I know I, I can't speak for other districts. I'm sure it was very similar, but I know there were officers in a district that were in dire straits last year.
10: I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you.
3: I said, I know, I'm sure this is the same in other districts. I don't want to speak for other districts, but there were officers during the storm last year that were in dire straits, that's for sure. So any equipment that or provisions can be sent there in advance would be more than
10: yeah should. Yeah, we certainly look to uh, to pre-position and we know we had, I can speak to a couple of officers in uh, in particular that were dealing with the Skyway closure. Uh, We took a look at that. I actually looked at that again today and I'm trying to change um, a couple, at least one of those posts. If I could alleviate having a a live body there, I'm certainly going to do that. It's going to take a little more strategic planning, but we're looking into that as well. Okay.
3: Um, And then a... Equipment question for public works. Um, when it comes to the the bucket trucks, uh, it seems like the buck. Yeah, seems like half of them are down for service or other reasons. So we, I know we would have to use private contractors for things. Um, something we were seeing last year, and I, I don't know the reason. Maybe you have an, a a reason for it. We would see, or I would see when I was out post blizzard, private contractors clearing streets they get halfway down a street. I would presume they would leave to dump. And in several instances, never came back, creating almost a more unsafe situation because there's just a wall of snow in the middle of a block somewhere. So I would just, is there any what is the the mechanism in place for supervision of the the privates when they come in?
5: Yeah, that uh council member, that's a that's a good question. That was um that was an operation we, we put in place. Uh, we wanted to keep equipment moving specifically in November is when that occurred. So we wanted to keep our equipment moving. We, we didn't have enough dump trucks to match the front loader needs. So we're loading up a truck um, and we're waiting and sitting idle. And then that truck is gonna go take a run and dump. So the amount of tr- dump trucks you need are three or four to one, depending on how far they have to run. So in in lieu of having just a front end loader bucket sit there idle, we had it move snow and push snow. Uh, hindsight 2020 you know as that storm was progressing and as we looked at what we were doing that was not the right move so we have we discontinued that you know process as you know in december we didn't do that um, for the blizzard so you know we'll move snow to get it moved out of the way but we won't be having that operation anymore in terms of equipment uh, snow plows 36 are listed Uh, i think the updated um, operational level those were provided to council earlier today out of 36 nine of them i believe are um are down at the moment so you know that that just fluctuates with everyday use so um so
1: we still have a, a pretty active fleet there so okay
3: thank you
4: council president Pridgeon.
1: thank you mr chair I'll try to be brief just a few questions um i know we just um have our emergency services manager but this is a question uh to him um have you reviewed have you had a chance yet i know it's new to review the snow plan
4: Yes, I have. I write. Is
1: there anything that you feel needs to be added to this snow plan, taken away, adjusted?
4: Uh, make sure you just state your name. Oh, I'm sorry record.
6: about that, <laughs> Thomas Luby. Um, I read it. It's it 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 works. It's clear. It's cut. It, it formulates what has to be done. Um, it outlines things that how it should be outlined. Of course, is always after each event we're going to look at. Um, and after action of what went on operationally and um, in- as we interacted with the various uh, government agencies and then we're going to see where the plan may be need to update it plans are supposed to be reviewed annually. So that's open. It's not it's a sta- it's not a static plan. It's a dynamic plan,
1: sir. So maybe I should ask a different way. Is this, and, and I know you worked for the administration. I got it, but this is about lives and this isn't a gotcha moment. I need you to understand where I'm coming from. This is us working together so that if there are areas, because, um, I, I think personally, we're very, very, very late out of the gate from when this needs to be done. You were hired because of your expertise the folks who put it together don't even have the expertise that you have. Is there anything immediately that you feel needs to be added or adjusted to this plan, especially as far as specificity?
6: No, I don't think so at all.
1: I'm disappointed. Sorry. And I'm going to tell you why, because there's a lot, and, and it's not a bad thing, I think, and I'm not a, specialist but i've shared it with three three people who this is what they do for a living and it just gently they're like yeah we can do this we do that i'm 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 a little disappointed to hear like Mm-mm, there's nothing that needs to be added to this plan and i wouldn't do anything differently so but you i believe you answered it you, you answered the question so uh,
4: mm-hmm
6: this is, you got to understand that the, the, a lot of this, the plan is the, is, the, is the beginning point or the starting point of the plan. A lot of the things that will go on that do not go in this plan is the intercontinent, uh, interconnection between the various internal things, right? So th- some of these things that are written, and yes, they're written by a third party per se, right? They don't have the scope or the depth of the what actually the Buffalo, city of Buffalo is all about so there will be times in the plan that we're going to alter and change based on what is going on with the incident as the incident and the dynamics of the incident changes that's where all the emergency management cooperation coordination between police fire department uh, uh, dpw and our uh our other agencies county agencies and and mutual aid etc so all that cannot be you can't put everything totally into the plan as it stands now it's a starting point but the incident will dictate where there will be changes we also know that there's incidents you have the best plan and that plan could be destroyed within the first couple minutes of an incident where you have to rely on experience you have to rely on that networking skill and the interpersonal skills to accomplish the mission at hand so i understand what you're saying right and yes could we pick this apart but we need to field test that we need to train it And we need to validate and it has to validate the successful of the plan.
1: Yeah. And I won't drag it out because I know I've got other colleagues. My my point is, and, and you said some of it, you just said it a little differently. At the end of the day, you've been hired as a specialist in the field. And we I think majority would admit that we could have done better than last year. So to hire a specialist in the field, I guess I was hoping in some ways. So I'm not saying that that you're incorrect. I'm saying I'm a little disappointed because I thought you would take that, whoever we hired would take this to another level and look at what is before, before us and say, yeah, right away, we need to do A, B, and C so that we respond better. Or we need to add that specificity that says, this triggers this that that's what i'm looking for as far as the role uh that you play but i I won't i've I've said it i'm not gonna drag it out um because there are other questions um do we have and i don't know who would answer this i don't know if i I don't think it would be ours. but um i mean mr mystery sorry um a the ability to force message local anybody in the area and and local homes For instance, I was in Florida recently, there was a weather related issue they didn't have I didn't volunteer. They volunteered me and an alert came. Do we have that that we can speak to that.
6: So you're talking about did the message when you were in Florida come across your cellular device? Yes, without from
1: a a Buffalo, New York phone.
6: Okay, so in reference to that, what they did, they sent out a message. It's called IPAWS integrated public alert warning system is one of three ways that we can send out messaging. Uh, cellular device uh, through the, the uh, EAS system, the little banner that goes across on the television. We coordinate with the networks and stuff because it pushes it into time delay and there's a FCC and other requirements so i attach on that. Um, I pause, you have the capability of blasting a big geographical area or we can de- fine tune it or like they call it is a polygon, which is 100 points max of a specific area, yes as your vehicle as you start to either walk or go through a certain area within certain proximity you're for, you're enabling to use such go there however just be mindful that be, just because you have a polygon established there is bleed over mm-hmm. on that whole particular thing so this is where the coordination between us and the county come in because we have to coordinate our messages because of the potential bleed over and other nuances yes we do have that capability Yes, we can do that. Now, messaging.
1: And I'm not going to go to last year. I just want to know, is this something that we just got or did we have? Have we always had that ability?
6: Uh, the Erie County had that, yes. But the training, we just we just did the training. It is live at this moment. I pause. is
1: live Yeah, that, what I want to make sure is that the city of Buffalo has it this yes. year. And we did it. not have it in the past. It would seem like because we kept telling people you have to sign up. Everybody's not going to sign up, and that message should be pushed out.
6: The thing, the only thing that you need to sign up for is Buff Alert. Right. Well, this year, there is no signing up. You very much away. the only option. The only thing is that you on on the phones you can you can turn it off and and not accept right which is one caveat not in our favor where the presidential when they do the annual test through fema that opens up all the phones regardless because it is the president dictating that so will
1: we we be utilizing is there something we have to purchase is there something we have to do to make sure because i think communication was really besides equipment and and staffing communication was our biggest problem so i want to make sure if we're having a a blizzard or any other type of emergency, that we're ready to utilize that that program that just goes to our phones whether we want it or not.
6: We do have IPOS administrators identified, and they are all trained in and how to execute. So, in the absence of say you're not here, I'm here, and someone else is,
1: they can get it there's out. There's a
6: redundancy right. built in, sir.
1: All right. The my last question is uh, for three one one. I know the answer, but I think the public needs to know the answer, and that is about the capability. And not only the capability, but are we ready to have 24 hour live operators um, in the event of an emergency, whether it's snowstorm or any other major catastrophe
9: as Waldo Mestri, director of citizen services um, council member. We are um, we do have the ability um, to um, go live um, scale up 24 hours. Um, with staff and also the equipment. We're one of the few call centers that we can actually um, operate remotely. That was an investment that this administration made a few years ago with the pandemic. It really has paid off now. If we did not have that ability, we would be trying to get operators and people into the building um, in the case of emergency. So we do have the ability to scale up, to maintain, obviously, following the snow plan and whatever tier that we're in, um, we will do that. Are we going to, again, this is a um, worst case scenario. This is a scenario where people are doing that. The study at NYU actually cited um, our 311 as um, doing very well and how we connected to community residents. We also are working with community partners as well, because it's not about making sure that we're listening to people, but finding out who's doing what. So, we can make sure that we patch people to the right places.
1: So, are we ready to do that if there's a storm in the next two weeks? We're ready. 24 hours? We're ready. Live person? We're ready. (laughs) Are we already worked it out with the unions that, uh, with the employees that are covered by the unions?
9: Um, We have discussed this with the unions. Um, We're working on an agreement currently right now. Um, Is that being fast tracked? That is being fast tracked. Um, But we also have a plan in place um obviously our first um line of defense is utilizing unionized workers but the system is readily available that we can utilize um staff that's here in city hall that will probably be you know having to kind of do a training to get on the phones obviously you know um not everybody can um do the jobs that uh, our 3 operators i can't say enough for the work um last year they were working overtime um when i say overtime overnight um many times at home but some of them tried to get into the building too so um that is something that we put a premium on the mayor's put a premium on that we're working on currently right now um we were to be quite honest we were ready this week if, if, if you did 24 it.
1: hours yeah. mm-hmm. and i want to commend you for the tremendous job that you've done in upgrading 311 and getting it ready we just want it to work uh and final question and then i'm i'm done with questions from me at this point the has there been any drill among all of the entities to kind of get us ready for the next major catastrophe um, in any way, because training is important. We all can talk in silos, but has there been a major drill to ensure all of these systems we're talking about, for instance, what the system that I'm asking about now, has that been tested? Has that been pushed out as a test so that we know we are ready or is everything kind of in a box waiting to be unwrapped?
6: The is testing is a requirement by the...
7: I by the, um,
1: can't hear you well unless um, you're
6: talking. With the specific, with the IPAWS itself, there's a requirement that we have to test. Uh, the, the administrators have to test every month on the, in the on the system. So that's the check and balance with, um, with, with IPAWS, the FEMA system itself like that uh going forward see that we will pursue certain things but the bottom line with the i pause is that we want to use it for it's usually used for those big case catastrophic events we just don't want to turn it into uh some sort of a you know miss messaging or, or small messages where people get turned off on it because all they see is their phone lighting up and it says buffalo on it so we are going to go in some sort of a direction to put out a test to reassure the public that we are there. So it's just a test message so to get familiarized with it. And then we will do the background testing stuff of testing the messages and scripting the message. So that we have preset templates because in a case of emergency, as you're aware, um, there's so many things going on that if you have a template, you can actually work off of prescripted and you just can change some of the. Particulars as I mean there, but you want a clear, concise message that goes out so there's no misunderstanding and no misinformation or misinterpretation
1: of what is expected of them and the relationship to yeah, well. And, and I don't want to drag out the question, I got it just because I got other colleagues wondering, but has there been any exercise, and you you haven't been here, so I'm, maybe I need this from the police commissioner, fire or somebody, have all of these departments worked together, gone through the scenarios, tested all of these theories, tested this snow plan, at all since we have been presented or or any time, even
7: before. Well, I can comment and then, and then uh, I'll pass down to Commissioner Gamalia. This is uh Commissioner Ronaldo, Buffalo Fire. As there been, uh as I stated earlier in my opening statement, there have been a number of uh of exercises, oh. tabletop exercises, uh internal, external, involving uh homeland security, FEMA, a lot of our external stakeholders as well. So that's been ongoing. Uh, but with that,
1: and I'm I'm just trying to get one see you you can have training police can have training others can have training has there been a comprehensive we all got together and if it's not it's okay cuz i'm not i keep telling you i'm not trying to get a gotcha moment cuz then i'm going to suggest that before the next storm that you all figure that out and and have a a hands-on drill before you got to put, you got all these new systems, new snowmobiles that we still got to get people learning how to do the snowmobiles. But I, I, all, all I'm asking is this, has there been one exercise where everybody had to work together and show that they're ready? Yes, the uh, closest we have
7: exercise we had to what you're describing, uh, council member, is uh, what was on by the Naval Postgraduate School executive level uh, exercise. Which uh, had participation from, from all levels of government, all of our departments.
1: So, so I think I heard the answer because you said executive level, mm-hmm. which means it didn't go down to the to the grassroots level, which those are the first responders and people that the so what I what I heard, and you can correct me, those at the top of the food chain, we met, county, all of that. But I don't hear anything about down the food chain. And these are the ones that's got to be out plowing. These are the ones that's got to be out trying to climb through houses. And that that's my concern that I pass on. And I'm not, again, Darius is not trying to do a gotcha moment. I'm trying to do a keep us alive moment and have real conversations so that maybe the thought goes, huh. That wasn't a bad idea, not he was trying to put me on the spot. Yes, yeah, so
7: and that was an example of executive level training. But as I said earlier, there has been a number of exercises that involved down to the worker B level, which you are, uh, I believe, alluding to. And many of our senior leaders as well attended the uh, the ICS 300 level course that was put on by FEMA. And there's a course coming up at the end of this month, uh, ELC uh, Emergency Operations Center uh, Managers course, which a number of our, uh, our division chiefs, uh battalion chiefs and some of our mid-level uh officers and firefighters will be attending along with other department members as well
1: yeah and mr chair, i'm i'm finished i'm just concerned because i think we got to be we, we got to be uber prepared um because it's been a year and um so I, I pray pray all these systems work together well that's that's my only
4: hope okay uh mr bullman
11: thank you mr chair um, commissioner, you guessed that I'm going to talk about warming shelters. I know, uh, council member Scanlon had dug in a little bit, but I just want to dive a little deeper and I don't, I, I want to make a distinction between, you know, warming shelters that we have to, uh, through the nine districts that we have to continue to staff and then emergency shelters when we're in the situation that we were, we were in last year with the blizzard. And what I'm saying is I would like to have the facilities within the neighborhoods to have the capacity with generators to be able to be put into place and operational, if so needed. As council member Scanlon mentioned, a lot of the times if from Lovejoy South, we get bombed with snow and you can see green grass sometimes on, you know, the Northern part of the city. So why wouldn't we have backup generators in the facilities that, always get snow that can be employed in the time of an emergency so i'm saying take our assets and make them in the resources and prepare and plan i won't i do not want to sound like i'm ungrateful because i know during the blizzard we had three warming shelters um now we have nine one in each council district so i appreciate that i believe that you know you you took seriously the efforts that i put forward to try to get this going Um, And I represent Art Robinson, and and you heard how passionate he is. And it's true. A lot of our residents are coming out saying, remembering that blizzard, that they couldn't get, you know, a few blocks down. No way are they going to make it from the southern portion of my district to the north. Um, So I'm just saying we should have that capacity and be able to employ those centers if needed. So um, my question is on the nine warming shelters, are those operational if we get snow and it's needed? Are we able to employ those?
5: commissioner nate martin dbw from from a power standpoint eight out of the nine are operational so we're having um there's some electrical issues that we're having with the last one to get online but eight the of nine of them across the city are ready to go and turn on um there is a, a connection of wiring these are um, these are generators that take a, a connection they're not an automatic transfer that is a a long lead item that we're working on currently um this body's involved in funding some of that through their past approvals um and so The the eight out of the nine are ready to go right now, and and very soon we'll have the ninth one up again, a wiring issue on the ninth one.
11: And with the resolution the Buffalo Public Schools um, passed, do you have a meeting scheduled to discuss that resolution and using schools there? They have identified five schools and six parking lots that can be uh, additional resources for us. Do you have something scheduled with them to talk about it further?
5: As a matter of fact, uh, council member, there is a meeting scheduled t- uh, tomorrow. I have with David Hills, their operations director t- uh, tomorrow late morning. So those conversations, as I have said, are ongoing. So, yes, there very is something okay. scheduled.
11: thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, with regard to the GPS system, I know we had some glitches. Are we still using the same uh, contractor? We, we
5: are at this point in time. We've had them in uh, throughout the uh, summer and into the fall, working on the system, upgrading, verifying equipment, working closely with Deputy Commissioner Jackson, his team, making sure we're testing all that equipment. So um, we're we're moving forward with that. So uh, we had uh, the, the real issue was some of the equipment reporting. So we're Checking that now. It's good weather. So we're driving around and testing breadcrumbs versus that map to make sure we've got overlap, uh accurate representation.
12: Good. Uh point of clarification. Mr. Chair, just real quick, um, commissioner spoke about the warming centers. I know this is a big issue, and thank you, uh, Mr. Bowman. But uh the warming centers, we keep talking about warming centers and them being equipped to have folks go to these warming centers. But if we get hit with a blizzard that is uncompromising and it's uh, onslaught of snow and wind uh with 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 zero visibility how will people get to these warming centers and also how who will be there before the weather gets bad if that's the case and I'm still boggled on how uh this individual or these individuals will be there before the storm gets bad enough and then they'll be there by themselves. And Lord forbid anything happens where the warming center is Lord forbid it goes out of power or the generator stops working or they run out of fuel. Whatever the case is, warming centers are a good idea. But in in practicality, Commissioner, I just want clarification on what is it about warming centers that we keep talking about that is going to help us with the blizzard? If no one can get to them and we don't have anyone there when the storm hits at the apex of the storm. I'll let you respond first and then I'll, I'll respond in second.
9: Um, as well, director of citizen services, as has um, been stated by com- council members and staff here, um, emergency warming shelters are um, we will equip or we'll make sure that we have the protocols there. But these are, um, as in the snow plan, are tiered. So um, the severity of a storm, um, worst case scenario, um, we will have these Um a lot of times, whether it be emergency personnel needing to take somebody somewhere, right, or needing to put somebody somewhere too, but we want to be mindful. This is a framework. Everything is amorphous. Um, when we have these emergencies, we're going to try to be ahead of schedule, but, you know, it may snow in one part of the town, and may not, and, we, and there may be a driving ban, right? And so we have been trying to identify people who live in an area who are near the warming shelters, right? Because you're right. How can... It is a very real possibility of how do we staff that up? And so these are scenarios that um, myself and Commissioner Otis Barker and staff have been looking at, um, testing it out, to be quite honest. Um, We've also been doing workshops with individuals, letting them know that in their homes, what can they do, right? Because we knew last year, those people who ventured out to try to go help somebody were put in a compromise and a challenge situation. We don't want that, right? We do not. Um, So we will have warming shelters. Um, Again, it's the plan. um, And we are going to operate within that. But again, um, our emphasis is to let folks know in place. And we know when it snows, um, we want people to be prepared. A lot of times, you know, and again, I'm I'm just, you know, uh, giving a scenario that, um, you know, is coming. Maybe you're not there. So you're going to go to your grandma's house. You're going to go somewhere, right, where you know that the the power ain't going to come off. Sometimes that happens, you know, so um, and if you can't, then we have the warming shelters, too. Right. So, um, again, as a plan, as a framework, and um, we're going to try to um, stick to it as best as we can. But it may change. Right. Uh, Mr. Bowman. Thank
11: you, Mr. Chair. And I was I was done on the point of warming shelters. But I do think we saw so many examples like uh, Spirit of Truth Urban Ministries in my district where they had hundreds of people within their church and um, they took them in and took care of them. and you know, save lives for sure. Sometimes there's people that are trapped on the roads, um, and they they need somewhere to go. So there's a lot of situations where they are are necessarily needed. Um, back to the GPS and um, the private contractors. How will they report? Because that was a issue um, in past years where the high lifts were in the really bad storms were clearing roads, yeah. and then uh, we couldn't really. For me, to my constituents, I couldn't really. Uh, show them that the streets were plowed, but they were being plowed in certain situations. So I, I know you had mentioned prior that they um, you were working to address this. I just want to see how that would work.
5: Yeah. So uh, Nate Martin, Commissioner of Public Works, the uh, the private contractors are not part of the GPS system. So the technology that it takes to get for, for our system, the technology it would take to put in isn't feasible for um, the, the purchase to sit there and, and have idle. Um, the, the cost is is um it's simply pretty significant. So from a from a practicality standpoint, those contractors are in contract with our team. So Deputy Commissioner Jackson, Skipper, and Don Polito, our engineering team, and I uh, distribute those those uh, contractors. We are in touch with them, continuing throughout the storm. They have reports back. We have monitors, uh, state officials or county officials, their own officials who actually go monitor progress or report that back. So uh, we've moved from uh, and evaluate a visual evaluation of what's going on so we to your point we know what that tracking is uh the challenge might be to to make sure we're communicating that right way we can explore if there's a way to kind of grab the map and and in a in a broad swath maybe change some of those streets the ones that, that we know where they're done so we can explore that from a communication standpoint but planning wise that is happening so as we've talked about
11: okay yeah that's great to hear It's just helpful for yeah. you know transparency reasons and then uh lastly did you say nine of our pieces are down what was that like yeah, it nine
5: out of the 36 uh plow trucks i mean that's a continual you know the, the maintenance up and down in a truck you send it out um they're not they're not just snow vehicles and so okay. our, our vehicles so we know front end loaders and and trucks aren't just snow vehicles and a snow fleet that sit there until we turn them on in november or december they are constantly used so they're okay. trucks that that pick up leaves and and um and equipment that move things across the city around the city so They're constantly in use. So I think that's some of the discussions that we've had as a council that I think we already talked about. You know, how do we keep that fleet, selfishly the DPW fleet, the police and the fire fleet? How do we keep that up to date in a way that is usable and practical on a consistent basis? That's the challenge financially that we all have to come to the table to decide.
11: Right. And obviously, I support continually investing in all of your fleets um, uh, with regard to
0: that. So thank you very much, Commissioner.
4: Councilmember Wyatt.
0: Thank you, Mr. Chair. We've heard a lot over the last hour. And I'm telling you, if I was home watching on TV, I wouldn't get a warm and fuzzy feeling. And I'm just being honest. You know, the communication piece, we have a new emergency manager, and I was hoping to hear a lot more from him. But I understand he just started the job, so I'm looking forward to down the road a lot of his input as well as our fleet manager. But with that being said, I just want to go back to the communication piece. If there's an emergency, are we still going to have two emergency response centers? Yeah. We
5: say emergency response. If there's centers. an emergency, normally emergency operation have, centers. Yeah. Need, operation oh, centers. okay. So depends what the severity of the emergency is. So the count. So we have a city. Well. I should let Commissioner Ronaldo maybe speak to this, from a, uh, or Commissioner uh, Gravalho. Let me pass that on. They'll, they'll speak to that.
7: Yes, Councilman. The primary emergency operations center is in the Dill building, fifth floor, uh, on the police floor. We have an alternate emergency operations center, which is our old headquarters uh, special operations center, uh, directly behind City Hall.
0: So the county will have theirs? We'll the,
7: have ours. The county, yes, the county. I'm, I'm sure we'll stand up their emergency operations center as well, and we'll have a liaison at their emergency operations center. And we're working, we're, we're coordinating with with them, so that
0: they will have a liaison officer at our center as well. So, Mr. Luby, in your extensive experience, when there is a major emergency, do you normally have more than one communication center, operational center that addresses the issues?
6: agencies only have one emergency operations centers okay so that's why the county will represents the county jurisdiction they have theirs we represent the city of buffalo if in the event that based on the type of incident that should rise to such an occasion where you need a multi-agency group or they call it the mac then you have more of the that on on top so So in other words, you have the EOCs that are on the local, the government, or the city level, and then the Mac would be on the overarching side, which would drive different policy and stuff. So the feedback would go up and down this way from EOC to the Mac, the Mac down to the EOC on that level. And then everything goes funneling up in that like that. But there's only one operation, emergency operation center per. However, there are agencies in the in the in the United States where you'll have they have department operations and individual departments, but there's only one true emergency operations center for an agency to avoid confusion. And who do I talk to? So there's only one. Um, So that's, that's, that is the, that would, that's what would occur.
0: So it seems to me from judging what happened last year, we had two, but we probably should have just had one. And I know you don't, you weren't there, but I'm just saying in general, It didn't seem like there was a lot of communication.
10: It, 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 Joe Grimaldi, if I can explain a little bit further. So the, the, the county has a, a fully operational center, and they had different entities that were out there utilizing that space. The, the The state had some area. The Buffalo Police Department had an area. The fire department had an area. The county was off in a different room, had an area. And, you know, that, that, that allows people to talk, come out of their specific areas. But we have the Dillon Building and we are fully functional. And the advantage it gives us in the Dillon building, we are concentrating our efforts on the city of Buffalo. The county obviously has responsibility for pretty much 26 towns and villages and cities within all of Erie County. So their, their area of responsibility is, is uh, much larger. We need our people in the city of Buffalo, not driving out to Cheektowaga. Um, you know, questions were asked about the storm last year, uh, about the mayor. The mayor's not going out to Cheektowaga. The mayor was right here in the city of Buffalo. We were in the city of Buffalo doing what we needed to do. In our emergency operations center, which is on the third floor of Dillon Police and Fire Headquarters, we've got the advantage of hundreds of cameras around the city. And we've got 25, 30 monitors within our camera room that's also attached to the Erie Crime Analysis Center that allows us to uh, perform a lot of the functions within there on the systems that they have in there. We also have access to our academy space that allows for meetings and other things all within that third floor space. It gives us a lot of space. We also have the ability to have press conferences that we do in the Dillon building and not have to move around. We've got a parking garage across the street that does not need to be plowed. We just need to get people in them and then their cars are covered. So we cover a significant amount of bases within our building. And that's exactly what we were doing. Um, The state has also committed Normally, they would go out to the EOC, Cheektowaga EOC. The state has committed coming into our operations center as well. So they'll be represented in both locations. We need the sheriff. We need the state police. We need any other you know, operations. They're coming into our building. The county will have theirs. But the one thing we also do is have representation out there at that, and they'll have representation here. But this isn't the EOC of the 77 Blizzard. We've all got these. We've got FaceTime. We've got team, you know, Microsoft Teams, Zoom, everything else. So we will be fully functional in our building doing uh, the needs of the city of Buffalo and the residents of Buffalo.
0: So the county was in was out in Cheek to Walker. They weren't in that public safety building that's downtown.
10: They're in that public safety building. That is their their fully operational center there. They do a lot of training out there as well. That's that's their center out there.
0: The public safety building downtown is there. No,
10: no, no. I'm sorry. they are talking, talking about the one in Chictawaga. OK, yeah. The public safety building is is the county building. It's got dispatch center. It's it's you know, it's got other functions, the lab and other things. Uh, our emergency operations center is in the Dillon headquarters okay. building, the place that we can actually see what's happening in the city because of all the cameras that we have. We can see live right there when the cameras are up and running.
0: Okay I, I know councilmember Bowman talked a little bit about the um warming centers, and I know that we were just told that we have a budgeted line for it, but when are we going to get the the things for those warming centers? When are the cots and things going to be ordered? because I think there should be some type of limited um, amount that we have. um if we I know it was predicted that we may have had a small storm coming up, thank God, that was averted. Um, but we could have one in a week or so. When do we start getting the cots and things that may need, be needed for those emergency warming centers?
8: Delano Dow, uh, Commissioner of Administration of Finance. My office has been working with community service to uh, fund their requests. We didn't have a, a budget line that was approved by this council for the school year 2024, but as these, these discussions were occurring, Along with the snow plan, community services did come to us, letting us know that they needed funding to purchase cots, uh, water, uh, food for these warming centers. So we've ad- identified funding uh, to provide to them, so they can go and purchase uh, those uh, those necessary items. Okay.
0: I know that Commissioner, you referenced the American Red Cross that you're working with them as a partner. When did you bring them on? When did you bring the, When did you start communicating with the American Red Cross?
7: Husband, uh we've been in cooperation and coordination with the American Red Cross, pretty, you know, pretty much on a daily basis. Uh, we were in touch with all their. Leadership. Were they in uh,
0: your initial meetings?
7: Yes, there were many of our initial meetings. Okay, because yes. I'm,
0: I'm getting mixed information. They they told me that they weren't in those meetings.
7: Which meetings are you referring to? Your
0: meetings preparing for emergencies.
7: Are you talking about this year or the previous? This year. year? This year, no, we have not had uh, American Red Cross in any of our meetings. There were representation at some of our tabletop exercises, however, though. So we have, uh, obviously, our emergency contact numbers. We're in cooperation and coordination with them on a daily basis because of our other incidents, our fires, and some of our other emergencies throughout the city. So it's just a matter of picking up the phone and uh, requesting any resources that we may require.
9: Okay. If I can, Councilman, um, I'm sorry. um Commissioner Commissioner um, Otis Barker met with the CEO of the American Red Cross um, last week. Um, We made a commitment about um, training uh, personnel for the emergency uh, emergency warming shelters. Um, It's important for us in terms of communication and 311 to know what those entities can do when we scale up. So I just wanted to add that that we've had that conversation. It's been um, and part of it is not just having one conversation, as you know. It's having multiple conversations and making sure that the lines of communication are open and that they're readily available. So. And and uh,
0: thank you, Mr. Mestri. And I and I totally agree with you. And that's why
9: again, you know, I, I try to be as
0: calm. But at the end of the day, there are people nodding their heads like, "What the heck is going on?" And some of us don't see that and understand it. And when you hear some of these folks and they come into chambers and they talk about the experience that they had, it's real, and it doesn't seem like it. It's translated here. We we just seem like oh we're we're good we're we, we're absolutely on point. But you don't even have cots, and that was something we talked about very early on. How do we do these things? And again, we just got our emergency manager, as Council President said. I wish we'd had him earlier. I wish we had our fleet manager earlier, but we have them now. This this is storm season, and it just doesn't seem that it's it's translated to these folks that we're ready. And you all might sit here and think, Rashid White is an asshole. That's what you might be thinking, he's a butthole, he always has something contrary. But it's not about me being contrary, it's about me speaking up for the people who aren't here to speak for themselves. I'm looking in the gallery and people are nodding their head like, oh, they're doing this. They're not feeling it. They don't feel that we're ready. Unfortunately, we don't have public access either. Public access could have been a great vehicle and the folks came to me from Spectrum saying, oh, we're going to be doing X, Y, and Z. We're in storm season. We have residents who are on pins and needles right now. Like, if there's a storm, what's going to happen to me? It's real. And if you heard from these people and you heard their dilemma during the storm, I don't understand how you could feel like we should make these people feel like we, we have their best interest at hand. And I'm not saying that you all don't. I'm just saying I don't feel it. Because we should have cots. We should have something. Right now, Commissioner. I'm told that we have emergency generators, not permanent generators. Is that true? That we have emergency generators, not permanent generators? Uh,
5: Council member, we have uh, temporary generators in place. Permanent generators are 18 to 20 months order, right? So the procurement process, we have that in process. We've got funding that is approved here. That's a long process. So to not wait for those. We engaged uh, electrical contractor to put those temporary ones in, so we are prepared for the power this winter. It's not a permanent solution that will click on, but we are prepared to have power in those shelters. So, okay. we, we you know we can't fight the procurement uh, situation with with deliveries. Yeah. I mean, this is where we are right now. Uh, I mean, the Same thing for equipment and um, and and you know, our snow removal equipment, fire equipment.
0: You, you speak to it. Uh, I'm going to try to be. Chain. I'm going to try to be real quick because I know I don't want to take up. If somebody else wants to say something, I put a resolution for for the emergency arms, so that no one is driving onto the 33 getting caught like we had the one person who died on there. Are we looking to do something in that event that if there's a severe snow situation that there's emergency arms. I mean, we, I know we don't have them right now. I, I don't think I've seen anywhere from the 33 that there's any emergency arms that have been erected.
10: Uh, I thank you for doing that. Uh, we've had some of those conversations, but uh, you know, you're know, you getting involved on, the, on a state road, so that's going to take some involvement from the state. Uh, some of those conversations uh, have occurred. I just spoke about those arms this morning. The more we can get those arms in place, the less we have to worry about putting police officers at locations, leaving them out there to dry. Um, The 33, we have never closed the entire 33 with any barricades. It would take a a tremendous amount of personnel to completely shut it down. Um, It's probably very rare that we would have to shut down the 33 like, would have been wise to do, I think, back then, but didn't have the ability to do it. Right. Um, but yeah, if you can, you know, work on that. Just like uh, I know the mayor's office. Like I said, I spoke with the mayor's office this morning about that again. Had multiple conversations. That's going to be uh, the state getting those installed.
0: So, commissioner, even if we had installed the arms, just have them there. Is there some concerns for just having them installed so that if we do need them? Because I know in some areas, some rural areas, you see the arms there. Ex- in existing, might be, I believe, over near the 190 in some areas, there are already arms there. Yeah,
10: they're they're uh, they're on the 190, they're on the 219, uh, they're on Route Five. Uh, that was a tremendous asset for us when we have to close the Skyway to be able to put those arms. There was a substantial lift yeah. to have police officers at every single one of those uh, points of entry to the Skyway. So. Um, They're on other state roads. I would certainly like to see them uh, on the 33, how often they would be used. I don't know. Uh, But there are times when we have to shut portions of the 33 down for accidents, and it would certainly help uh, close the 33 down just in sections. Um, Anything we can do, we have those procedures in place. A and B district have the keys. They've got the procedures. They know that when the Skyway is going to close, they go to the uh, predetermined location. They know what to do, close the gates, and uh, and we're set. And then those police officers can leave and go about – Handling other yep. situations. So yep. I, I think it would be a, a wise expenditure of funds to get arms put on the 33 like they have on the 219 yep. and the 190.
0: Okay. I will continue to push that. Mr. Luby, my question to you is in your capacity in, as emergency manager in your other position, who did you report to?
6: It did, well, you put, reported to the various leadership that was above you. Um, you reported to directors, you reported to chief. Um, the the chief security officer you reported to the executive director was the the individuals above you that that was the accountability that you had i reported to um just that that sort of leadership uh, role
0: so to speak above you but did you have a direct report i mean all those people reported that you reported to them but did you have a direct report who was the person that hired you
6: that just I just went through the regular hiring process and, and just there was no real because I guess the ultimate high the ultimate leader would have been the uh the commissioner would have been um the executive director, would have been the chief security officer, would have been the executive uh, would have been the director. All the all the various leadership positions and the titles were all the same as far as the level of of um uh, experience in leadership and stuff like that. So That you always had, but then you always had the, you you didn't always have a, you had a a direct and then you had like, if you did it on an org chart, you would have the direct lines and then you would have the dash lines to other components because you're really not in an emergency management position. You're really not really fixed to one position, right? Because you're facilitating, you're collaborating, you're negotiating, you're doing a, a thousand pieces and you're making it work, right? We're taking the unmet needs. We're putting together or talking about that strategy in the EOC so that I can combine resources, make them into a task force. How do I answer this concern over here? What is the best possible way to alleviate the thing? So when you look at emergency management in the whole thing, geez, um, there's a lot of dotted lines uh, and, and, and it goes from that point on. So during the whole conversation, whether I'm interacting with the county, interacting with the state. You have those kind of, so, so those dotted lines, right? But you're still acquiring resources. I'm still pushing resources if they're requiring on, on the resource request through the land or I'm requesting something, right? And all through the federal context, It might need some specialized equipment or supplies, etc., to be drop shipped, right? So there's a lot of dotted lines that I will inter, interject with on a so,
0: regular basis. So, so did you create your own budget? Did I create? Did you, did you create your own budget? For things that you may have need to carry out the duties, or that was something that yeah, came that was from all other
6: something, partners. but got, that was all something. But during during emergencies, or once it, once you start heading into an incident where you're planning for it, you're anticipating, it, you might be in a uh, phase approach to activating the EOC. You're doing your messaging, you're doing your campaign, you're preparing you're you're doing the social media aspect, right? So you should already be thinking. We don't look. I don't look at. When, you, when an incident starts, I don't look at eight hours. I'm looking at 1624 off the bat. Then we go to 48, 72, 96, and 108. I'm looking at distance, right? Because as soon as I pull that trigger to activate the response component, I'm also looking at when am I going to get back to resumption of services? So it's a twofold. Additionally, anything that's going on prior to to get us ready in that planning stages, whatever it may be, uh, acquiring equipment, overtime whatever in the past we have identified or has secured through the financial administration section of the of the agency to start getting a cost a number assigned to the cost, right because when it goes down to it um when you when the incident is over and they start requesting months later of all these receipts and and to get recoup your money spent whether it's equipment personnel services or other the infinite, everything is easier to pull on, on a bigger system than to go back and get other receipts and stuff. It makes the recovery process or the financial section of the recovery process much easier to formulate. You adapt it to the FEMA guidelines and, and what they're requiring as far as their, um, their layout, their templates, and their stuff like that. So when in doubt, I always was forward-leaning on on all my items of of that when I suspected or had a pretty good indication besides doing the conference calls and setting the climate and setting everything right for all the players um, to anticipate, you would have the weather service in there, you would have everything that I needed to tackle, the supporting and assisting agencies would be on the conference call, okay? Um, and then when they would follow, they when they're calling, when you are gonna be activated? Again, it based on the dynamics of the incident, based on understanding the situation and what is actually going on. And that's when we pulled the trigger.
0: Well, thank you so much for that information. And I, Mr. Chair, I really think that we need to have more time with Mr. Luby because I think we need to know some of those nuances of how this works. It's too important to our city for us as council members not to have the understanding of what his role would be, as well as our fleet manager. I'm, I'm really happy that we've made that. The selection for these these individuals um, that will help us in case of emergency, and I'm praying that we don't have that emergency again, but we do need to know the nuances because I know that right now Mr. Luby is embedded in fire department, does that make sense, I want to know is it makes sense what the other cities do let's get that exposure so that we can make the right decision because i do want him to be able to do his job and make sure that the residents of the city of buffalo in case of emergency and i'm not just talking about a snow emergency i think we've been focused on a snow emergency because of last year but there's other emergencies that are happening in our world and we want to know that we have the best person in place to give us some
10: insight of what we could be doing to support their efforts so thank you again thank Council, you can i add one quick thing? Uh, with- Regards to your question about the gates on the 33, I just want to make sure that's clear that that would fall into the state, that the state would be the one to put those in place, fund them, and, uh, you know, handle all that. I just wanted to make sure that that was understood, that that is the state's responsibility.
0: Yeah, and I understand because I talked to someone from the state, and they said it's our job to put
10: them down. We we would close them, right? right no problem doing that. And we do that Get on, the, start. on the uh, Route 5, the Skyway. That's not a problem, but in order for them to, or the the installation of them, the funding of that would fall in the state. Okay, thank you.
4: Okay, we're going to Mr. Farrelletto, Mr. Nolkowski, and then myself.
3: Thank you. Uh, This is for Commissioner Martin. I was under the impression last year when it came to private contractors, the county was paying the private contractors more than the city. So there were some private contractors that the city would normally use, but they decided to go work for the county Instead, so they can make more money. Is that accurate?
5: Uh, well, we did have differential rates last year, right? So we uh, we worked with uh, Commissioner Dow. Our rates uh, have increased this year, so we have a, a very robust group of contractors who uh, we have engaged currently with the city. I don't have those exact numbers, but uh, access to um, over a hundred. Uh, I, I will get the numbers wrong. We have access to a lot, a lot of equipment available—front-end loaders and dump trucks—for us as a city. So we, we do, um, we did increase our rates, and we do have engaged contractors.
3: Okay. Right, so if our rate is our rate in line with the county, because I just don't want to see a situation yeah. where the storm comes, the county's yeah. paying twice what we're paying, and people are contractors are going with the county instead yeah
5: they're they're not equal but they're certainly in in good alignment so we've had conversations with some of our contractors about that even prior last winter during the winter so um we're in we're in good alignment state county and uh city rates are all different Uh, it it would be an ideal scenario to have some set level where the equipment's the equipment and here's what the rate is from a regional perspective i think that makes sense but that's a larger conversation so we're we're in good shape
4: mr nolkowski
13: I think I'm going to be very brief. Uh, the you're welcome. the 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 first is just to to note. Um, I did raise questions when it came to the EOC and where city officials were during the blizzard. Because to be honest, uh, the mayor in in his living room with no power was not helpful. We needed to him to be at the the EOC to be able to make uh decisions on the behalf of the city of Buffalo. So that's why I raised that earlier. Um, and I didn't want him in Chuptawaga. I wanted him at the EOC here because he was literally in his living room with no power. Uh, So it's to address that question. The second council member Wyatt was uh, able to, to, to lightly bring up. And, and Mr. Lovey, I'm very happy that you're here and the emergency manager, because um, we have a lot of work to do. And the question is, is, we're here with citizen services, a fleet manager, commissioner of administration of finance, police, and fire. We also have a snow plan, but we also have an emergency plan. And if you can please clear up my apprehension that when you are instructed as the emergency manager to execute the emergency plan, that you will not be subordinate to people when you have the expertise to make sure that we get resources on the field I think that's the that's the really most important question that I want answered and apprehension um, alleviated. The second was is I was at Deaf Access Services yesterday, uh, speaking to members of the disability community, and somebody had told me that they're a resident of Amherst and that they have an apparatus in Amherst where they can notify police and fire that they are living with a disability and are deaf because during emergencies people cannot hear you banging on the door if you are a hard of hearing and or deaf or if you're visually impaired or if you are have a, um, a disability that uh, puts you, places you in a wheelchair and the power goes out and you can't go down the stairs. Our emergency personnel, knowing that information um, could be critical and could be lifesaving to members of that community um, that are oftentimes overlooked and the most uh, in jeopardy during emergencies. So I know that that's something that I would really like to work with you moving forward. Thank you, Mr. Chair.
4: Okay, uh, I have a, a few questions. Uh, Mr. Scamlin asked several that I was going to answer Uh, ask. But uh, um, first off, I want to start out just with the statement. Uh, The North District does not have a warming shelter. Um, It uh, is the Assarese Center, which is in the Delaware District. Um, And even if it was in the North District still, um, my people from Black Rock, West Turtle, North Buffalo, uh, Riverside uh, would not be able to get to that center because you have to walk up, uh, you have to go down Grand Street, you have to go over a bridge, you have to walk through Buff State, um, you know. So it's it would be almost impossible. So I'm I'm asking everybody that is here, um, and I don't put a I don't put a, as high of a um, need on the warming shelters as some of my colleagues um, because I know that a, a very good friend of mine who's a social worker, uh, Alyssa Hamilton, lives about eight houses from All Saints. And she told me that if that was a warming center during the storm last year, she wouldn't have been able to get to it. She said we would have died walking down the street. Um, And there was it was just no way we would have had to shelter in our in our homes. Um, But that all being said, I would like to ask those of you that are here from the administration, and I I have spoken to the mayor, and I have spoken to Brendan Mahaffey, the All Saints Complex, which is in the heart of Riverside, is for sale. Um, The diocese is putting it up for sale. uh, I've also spoken to Jamal uh, Paul Milstein. And I would hope that we would take a look at the All Saints complex, because I think that being in the center of the most populous part of my district, I think there's about 13,000 people that live in Riverside. Uh, All Saints is pretty much dead center. Um, It would be a perfect spot. Um, It would be a perfect spot, not just for... Uh, a warming center, but there's a huge parking lot there. And I remember back in the old days when Griffin was mayor and they used to use the church parking lots for uh, towing or storaging or uh, storing or uh, parking cars from people in the neighborhood. Because one of the biggest problems that I saw over the last, well, forever in my neighborhood, people that are parked illegally. Um, I'm just a statement. For uh, our departments, please, you need to ticket and tow these people, and they're not going to learn until they start to get a penalty. And I don't care if all the people want to yell and scream that we're penalizing people, blah, blah, blah. I was out and about after the storms in the last two years, and people bragged. I drove and I got stuck. Ha, 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 ha. I knew I wasn't going to get a ticket. They need to be ticketed because, in my opinion, the cars. That were on Ross Avenue stopping plows the cars that were stopping uh, plows stopping emergency vehicles from getting to Riverside Avenue where we had a fatality, a woman died the uh, uh, police and fire and rescue squad had to run over snow hills because there were cars that were blocking the street and. People, like I said, they laughed afterwards. I was walking to check on someone during the storm, and I helped push somebody's car out. And the guy said to me, he goes, thanks, man. He goes, I had to get me and the lady, our Timmy hose." I'm assuming that some, you know, if you're if you're not an idiot, you're not driving in this weather. And I figured this person was only driving because he had to, because he was a a a person that needed to get to work or whatever. We well, got stuck another 30, 40 feet, and I just walked right by him but we need to tow these cars we need to ticket these people because they're not going to learn otherwise um also um commissioner uh martin um one of the things that i was told both by union and non-union members of your department that one of the problems was was that the number of people that were refusing overtime um do we have mandatory overtime in dpw
5: on a on a regular daily basis, we do not have a mandatory okay. overtime policy for emergencies. It's different scenarios.
4: Okay, because I would urge us to negotiate or, and, you know, I want to be a pro-labor guy, and I generally am very supportive of organized labor. However, when there's an emergency... I think that if we that we should do mandatory overtime, because I was told last year and the year before that they knew that there were certain employees that just weren't going to work overtime. And, you know, this boggles my mind because maybe it's my, you know, being old or whatever, but, you know, could get overtime if you could make extra money, you would do that you should do that. Um, especially in an emergency situation. And I was told by some supervisors that they said, well, we knew person A wasn't going to work overtime, so we had to get person B. We knew C and D weren't going to work overtime, and we went to the E person, and we had to skip him so that we could work around him and everything. Well, I think that mandatory overtime is exceptionally important. Um, How about GPS? What's going on with GPS in your department? Yeah, as
5: I noted a little bit earlier, council member, um, we've been working with the GPS, um, we're we're verifying our routes, the the clearing map is different than our GPS, um, kind of back of the house piece. So the back of the house piece is working uh, well, We're, we're verifying those maps are overlapping. So there's a clear communication of what's actually happening communicated on that snow removal plan. So
4: Okay, because that that was something that was before your time, but I was pushing for GPS for years. Um, Now, while not every resident of the city of Buffalo has uh, a computer, you know, the uh, Elaine Panty Library on Tonawanda Street, the number one uh, resource that is used there is the uh, uh, computers, because I have a a poor neighborhood, a working class neighborhood um, that need to get to work, that need to be able to get out as quickly as possible. Um, But there are a lot of people that were uh accessing the GPS. I was trying to access it. I'm not great with computers, um, but I was trying to access it as much as possible so that I would have a feel of what was going on in the district so I didn't have to call and, and burden you all who were fighting uh you know the good fight. Um, last but certainly not least, uh in the fire department, how many firehouses are lacking generators right now? Are we are we caught up? Do we have at least a backup generator in
7: in every firehouse council member currently we have eight firehouses uh without emergency generators but working very closely with uh uh, our finance commissioner as well as our commissioner dbw in uh identifying the funds actually the funds are there already identifying the contractors putting out an rfp and making sure that these uh emergency generators are up and running in a very short period of time
4: okay um because you know i think that in 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 I think it's been sort of hit uh, uh, on the head during these last two meetings. All boils down to money, and I'm that guy that's in the council meetings and the committee meetings and in the workshops and saying, "Where are we going to get the money from? How much money do we have?" Um, Delano, I've met with you on numerous occasions and and your uh, predecessor in trying to figure out, you know, how how do we prioritize? You know, we we need a hundred million dollars, and what do we have? Twenty one or so in the budget. Um, you know to be able to buy these things, and so we're we're practicing triage, unfortunately, um, and that's where we need to pick and choose what we need, what we can get, um, and you know uh, plan for the future. Um, Mr. Rivera had one thing to say. Uh, he uh, he was hoping that we would be able to get uh, responses from your departments to those questions that were asked. Um, We didn't want to waste all of our time here going through those questions. Um, And I do too, because some of them were mine as well. But if we can get written responses from the administration, that would be sent back to Mr. Montour, and then he could get it to uh, each of the nine council members, it would be greatly appreciated. Mr. Wyatt. And
0: Mr. Chair, and he also asked, and I I asked as well, if we would have another opportunity to have the um, emergency manager and the fleet manager come back to the council to address questions that we may have, or just a better understanding of what their roles will be, that would be helpful.
4: Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm assuming that anybody from the administration will be available anytime that we ask them um, what we could do instead of receiving filing this item, we could just keep it in council, uh, in committee, and so that we could use that as a uh, uh, as an item to call somebody in, okay. in front of us. I mean, this is a receive and file item, um, but it gives us something, you know, in the future, and we would make sure that we would let you know um, beforehand that we want you to come down and speak to okay. us. Um, and lastly, I you know Mr. Spears and some other people did want to speak. Um, we're going to end the meeting with, uh, comments from the public and then we're done. Hopefully.
10: Councilman, can I just add, uh, clarify something,
4: yes. uh, Joe Grimali again, just,
10: uh, going back to the emergency operations centers. I, I think one thing that has to be clarified in, uh, and council member, uh, Noakowski, you know, brought up about, um, where certain people were, where we were during the time of the storm, uh, keeping in mind again, you there's a time when you cannot drive. There's a time when you could not go out in the storm because it was, as we all know, deadly. Uh, but there's one thing that didn't stop was communication across the board from the mayor right on down. Whether somebody was without power, with power, it's cell phones. And again, we had a multitude of ways of communicating. Essentially, a virtual EOC. Uh, the mayor, as we know, was without power. And never lost communication by way of cell phone, uh, evident by the numerous uh, media interviews that were done from within his dark house. Uh, we were able to pick him up once the weather stopped. There was a tree that had fallen on one end and an abandoned car on the other end that we couldn't get down. The plows couldn't get down to a street, uh, but he was active, mobile, and especially once the weather stopped, when we could really go on our offensive. We were out, uh, in the, uh, out in the community, driving around, getting out where we needed to be. So this is the one benefit of the modern day age that we're in, is we can have virtual EOCs when the weather is so bad that we cannot get all of our personnel into an EOC.
9: Councilman. Yes. Just to clarifying, I appreciate um councilman from the University District, and he had a great question. So regarding with COTS and warming centers, um, the DLAN, or which um, we work with, the county and the state, um, has those items. Um, it requires us to go ahead and try to purchase those. And we've been looking at that, um, obviously scarce, but um, I don't want to leave here saying that those emergency warming shelters will be without, right? So there's a protocol that we're working with the county. There's a protocol that we're working internally here. um, And it's just very important um, that we see that um, in terms of just understanding if somebody's, um, what the protocols are, But I didn't want to leave here because that was a great question, that there will be cots, water, um, the state will kick in, the county will kick in. Those are relationships that we've been cultivating in different scenarios. Thank you.
14: Mr. Spears. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. It's a pleasure to appear before the Common Council today. I'm Craig Spears, 140 Winston Road, 14216 past member of the City Advisory Subcommittee on Capital Projects, and past member of the Buffalo Police Reorganization Commission. I have submitted to the council a revised list of heavy-duty emergency equipment The DPW, BFD, and BPD need to function in severe storm conditions. So far, at least, except for the Buffalo Police Department's 15-ton 4x4 SWAT truck, None of this heavy emergency equipment exists in the city inventories as of this date, November 21st, 2023. There are no six by six or four by four plow trucks with V plows in the city inventory, none. There are no mini pumpers, four by four trucks for the Buffalo Fire Department. These were recommended to be ordered after the blizzard of 77. Those mini-pumpers were never ordered. There are no 6x6 six six or 4x4 four four rescue trucks or Humvees available for the Buffalo Fire Department or the Buffalo Police Department. There are no highway snowblowers in the inventory of the, of the DPW. There are no snowblower attachments for high lifts in the DPW inventory as of this date. As far as I know, I may be incorrect on this, there are no emergency food and medical supplies stocked in firehouses or police stations in the city. That's not acceptable. There is a lack of generators, temporary or permanent, in all Buffalo fire stations, as far as I know. There are still fire stations in the city that don't have permanent or temporary generators. That's totally unacceptable. Today's article in the Buffalo News um, detailed what towns that surround the city are buying. They are buying upgraded heavy duty equipment, including highway snowblowers, four by four trucks. And here's the other thing. This equipment does not have to be purchased new. Much of this heavy-duty equipment can be purchased at a very reasonable low cost from military surplus stocks, especially the 6 by 6s and the 4 by 4 Humvees. Actually, you can purchase, you can get 6 by 6 trucks from the U.S. Army for free. But you have to go through the process. And here's the final thing I'll tell the council. If you declare an emergency if there's a legitimate emergency, you may bypass section 103 of the general municipal law to purchase emergency equipment. So if you need emergency generators for fire stations, you are authorized by resolution to bypass 103. So the idea that you've got to wait two years to put a generator in a fire station is not correct. You can bypass that on an emergency basis. And I would encourage the city to do that immediately. This equipment is not optional. It's essential. Remember, we have to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Thank you very much.
7: Okay, thank you. Good evening.
15: I'm Vinny Ventresca, the president of the Buffalo Professional Firefighters Local 2D2. For the record, I am here with the complete support of the entire membership of Local 2D2. I've been on the job for 28 years, 19 as a firefighter and nine as a lieutenant. I've served on the executive board of Local 22 for nine years, seven as the president. Just in case, as this happened repeatedly, there are any questions about my experience, operational knowledge or understanding of the topic being discussed. The idea that we're, we hired an emergency management coordinator. We did in 2018. Let me remind you of that fact. We, this city hired an emergency management coordinator in 2018. I'm here today to discuss the glaring deficiencies in the department's plan and lack of preparedness for winter operations. There are solutions to the problem, but we need to act quickly and the city needs local d to support. Only the city's administration could be so thoughtless as to hold a press conference touting winter equipment arrival in mid-November. It is less than a year after there was a tragic loss of life because of their incompetence and the incompetence of the commissioner of fire. Local 2D2 has informed the city for five straight years that they need to be on a regular purchasing plan for frontline apparatus properly specced out to the BFD. That did not happen. The blizzard of 2022 brought this epic failure to light and citizens perished. I'll ask again. Does anyone care? To reiterate, the fleet is in shambles. The frontline equipment, aerial ladders and pumpers is falling apart. The city is now wasting millions of dollars trying to play catch-up. Mr. Delano sat here and talked about budgetary constraints, and we've wasted a half a million dollars this year on, on equipment, half a million dollars. And what about the $330 million in ARP funds the city received? They spent $0 on fire apparatus. Where are those funds? Winter weather has been an issue for the city of Buffalo forever. There should have been a winter operations plan, equipment, and agreements years ago. However, we cannot go back in time and correct the incompetence of the past. We need to move forward. These are the facts. There are still no emergency generators as was discussed in 8 of the 24 houses. Supposedly five were going to be installed October 21st of this year that never happened. It's November. What there what is the plan to facilitate the movement or transportation of our members? There isn't one. There was not there has not been organized winter operations training of any sort. Five used donated snowmobiles, possibly now today two UTVs with no trailers of transport and one overpriced aerial. It's November and they're just receiving this equipment. There is no agreement in place for its safe operations and training. There is no plan for its usage. And if there is, it has not been disseminated to local duty to its or its members. In negotiating in good faith, this union has made multiple offers and all of them have been, I forgot what the term the commissioner used, that they were unacceptable or we asked too much. They have given us no information back. We'll meet with them whenever they want if they wanna negotiate something. But we're the ones negotiating in good faith. They are not. The department has failed to purchase or even order cold weather personal protective equipment. The commissioner discussed it. How much of this equipment is he gonna buy? Because I know someone rides a snowmobile for 24 hours and then gets off. Are they gonna hand the next person a soaking wet, one size fits all helmet and snowmobile suit? Crazy. Local 2D2 has tried to negotiate in good faith a reasonable agreement to work with the administration on implementing this equipment. When we were here two weeks ago, the council itself spoke of their lack of involvement with the winter snow plan. Local 2D2 is in the same boat. We need to be involved in this process, and we have tried to be involved in this process. Local 2 2 has made every effort since January, and you see where we are. No agreement in place, and the equipment is just arriving. Our members have been ordered to take an online training course. That's it. Let's be clear, Local 2D2 members risked their lives during the blizzard of 2022. The members are ready and willing to do special operations on this newly arriving equipment. However, all members and Local 22 have asked for is functional apparatus and the proper equipment to do our job. It is Local 22's duty to ensure that there is a plan in place and that these operations are performed safely. We cannot perform our duties to the citizens of Buffalo if our members are not safe themselves. We must ensure that all apparatus and equipment is operational and safe. In closing, Local 2D2 members are ready and willing to be a part of this plan and these new operations. Sadly, the city and the fire department are not ready, have no plan, and refuse to coordinate with Local 2D2. The citizens of the city of Buffalo and the members of Local 2D2 deserve better. It's the end of November.
4: Okay, thank you. We are adjourning due to lack of quorum.